and welcome to another episode of Sniffing the Pages. I'm Nina Manning. And I'm Katie Griffith. And in this episode, we'll be discussing Three Hours by Rosamund Lupton, Little Bandage Days by Cara Wilder, and The First Time I Saw You by Emma Cooper. We also have an interview with Emma Cooper, and Katie will be telling us what she read next. And we also have a competition, and some lucky listener will be able to win a hardback copy of Rosamund Lupton's new novel, Three Hours. But first, we I thought we could discuss... Our top reads of two thousand nineteen, which maybe we should have talked about in the last episode, in the last episode, but uh, we were but too we're doing busy it now. drinking mulled wine and <laughs> eating mince pies, weren't we? Yeah, it was distracting. <laughs> mulled wine is always distracting. Um, she says as she sits. Whereas her now gin. it's January, we're drinking gin, so that's much better. It's much more January. We're not on dry January. Is that what it's called? It is. On, it is called that, and I'm not on it though. No, um, I don't. We would be enough. failing if we were. So we've li- we've limited it, our top reads of night twenty nineteen to books that were published in twenty nineteen as mm. opposed to just books that we read in twenty nineteen. Otherwise, we'd be here for like an hour yeah. while we talked about all the books that we read. <coughs> so, do you want to give us your top five or top however many there are for you? I've just got like six, I think. Mm. So I'm going for Daisy Jones and the Six. Absolutely love it, and I keep gazing oh, at it, keep gazing at it across the the room and thinking I really need to read it again mm. and they are making it into a film as well aren't they are they yeah yeah well I can see how it would really work very well on, mm. a, on a screen um also the seven or eight deaths of Stella Fortuna that's actually on my list as well mm. yeah that was amazing. the warehouse by Rob can't remember his name yeah I was no gone some of them I can remember others can't don't feed the bear can't remember the name of her either Rob Hart Rob Hart and do Not Feed the Bear was also on my list. Oh, it's Do Not Feed the Bear, not Don't. By, hold on, we'll get it, Rachel Elliott. Yeah. Sorry, that was me scrolling down my Goodreads <laughs> find, to find it. That was um, fab. Um, yes. Another pod, the final podcast read that I loved was If Only I Could Tell You by Hannah Beckerman. Oh, that was amazing. Made yeah. me sob. And then I did also read in 2019 uh, You Let Me In by Lucy Clark, but that wasn't one of our reads, but it was a, a brilliant thriller. I really thoroughly enjoyed that. So, yeah, those are my top six, I think. One, two, three, four, six of 2019. Sorry, did you go for a top five? I just like trying Well, I mean, I could keep going, but this is, well, this is the five I wrote down. <clears throat> so, the two overlaps are seven or eight deaths of Stella Fortuna, which, yeah, I think we both agreed was absolutely amazing. And Do Not Feed the Bear also made my list. Um, and then the one I had that you didn't have, which is a podcast read, which was, was Louie and Louise, mm. which we read, I think, like this time last year, so one of the first yeah. ones we talked about. Um, and then I've got two that were not podcast reads but were published last year, um, which was Realm of Ash by Tasha Suri, uh, which I think I talked about on one of the podcasts. Mm. I can't remember what. And this is the la- one of the last books I read in 2019, which is The Starless Sea. Is Erin mm. Morgenstern, which is a yeah. follow-up to the Night Circus, Night which Circus, was yeah. everything I wanted it to be, and then a million times more, and I absolutely loved it. That was the best book I read in 2019. Did you love the Night Circus? Yes. Mm. I would say, I was going to talk about it when I did what I read next, and mm. what I would say is, if you liked the Night Circus, it's, this is like it, but even more, but if you didn't like the Night Circus, I probably wouldn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's, she's got a very specific <coughs> writing style. Like, I've, I've met people mostly who either loved the Night Circus, absolutely loved it, or didn't like it at all. And I think... I've tried to read it twice, so no, it doesn't saying, say a lot, yeah, does it? Probably not going to be this one for you then. It's massive as well. It's really big. Yeah. And long and confusing, and it's just magical, and I loved it. You've just 
bumped up your what, Katie? Yeah, I know. Well, I can bit. do more. I can talk about more of it. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, there's, there's more to talk about, isn't there? Um, but um, I thought maybe we'd talk about um, Rosamund Lupton's Three Hours first. Yes. That was the first book I read, and you've just finished it. I have it, just so. finished it. This book, man. So this is the book that we've got a giveaway for as well. So mm-hmm. this is particularly exciting um, for everybody. And... The tagline is three hours. Well, obviously, that's the title of the book, but the tagline is to save the people you love. Oh, shall I give you a little blurb read? Three hours is 180 minutes or 10,800 seconds. It is a morning's lessons, a dress rehearsal of Macbeth, a snowy trek through the woods. It is an eternity waiting for news or a countdown to something terrible. It is 180 minutes to discover that love is the only thing that matters. And it's just, I mean... (coughs) I was not prepared for this book <laughs> to be as good as it was because I didn't know anything about it going in and I think like the back is quite I'm not even sure what the word is spark like it doesn't tell you very much no. about what actually happens in it I think that on the proof copy we've got we actually it actually is in a little bit more so much more in depth isn't it the um the book than actually what oh, yeah you, you so can't give so bit... much away can you in no in, I mean in basically it's just what is it it's it's a um it's a school on lockdown so it's a school shooting situation. And I think from, um, that I gathered from sort of about halfway through that it's, it's a private school, isn't it? Yeah, it's a private school. It's in like rural Somerset. It's this really um, progressive, liberal school. Um, it's a junior through to... Yeah, so they're from, they're from quite young, aren't they? Yeah. So Four to 18, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a big, big age group. And they've got sort of different, different like campuses, but all within this big sort of wooded area. And they're... Um, yeah, they sort of don't wear uniforms and everything. This is all very about acceptance and lots of the teachers are openly gay or um, and they take in refugee... Um, they have a fund to take in um, immigrant children mm. from, who are refugees or come in to the country under difficult circumstances. So there's this sort of... Yeah, this picture of this school as being very progressive. And, um, yeah, there's, the, the book sort of starts with them being in a school shooter situation and it's told from... I've sort of lost track of how many different perspectives, really. Yeah, I'm, quite a lot of them, aren't there? There are. So I wrote a few down. So we've got um, we've got Raffi and Bassi. Yeah, so Raffi and Bassi are the ones who are the who, immigrants. Yeah, so they're two children who were refugees from Syria. So 14 and I think 7 or something, or 8, yeah. isn't they? 8, I think. <clears throat> we've got Mr. Ma. He's the head teacher. And so he's, the, he's actually been shot and that's... That comes out quite yeah. That's basically rapidly. the beginning. So right at the beginning, he's he is he is shot, and that's sort of what kickstarts the whole book. So, and then we've got Hannah, who is Raffi's girlfriend. So yeah. she's the one that stays with Mister Mar, and they're trapped and in the library. Yeah, she's trying to um, and there's sort of groups of children blood, trapped she? in different places. And some of them are in the theatre, aren't they? Which is great because they're in the process of putting on the Macbeth performance. So they just kind of carry on, don't they? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just like the resilience of people in difficult circumstances. And that the point, the perspective in the theatre is from the, of their teacher, isn't it? And she's just sort of like, they, all, all the kids just want to, tr- to carry on with the rehearsal to yeah. almost give themselves a sense of normality or something to do. I think it's do. Daphne or something, isn't it Daphne? Yeah, because they're trapped in... And the thing about the theatre is it's really clear that there's no... Um, no there's no windows. windows, there's the doors like lock, there's no way in or out. So it's a really secure place to be, but also you've got no idea what's going on outside mm. and there's not really any connection at all. So it's that they, they're choosing to just stay in there and like rehearse Macbeth in the face of terror, which is a really mm. powerful thing to do. I and mean this but this it made me cry, this book. Not out of um not even out of sadness, but just out of how amazing like people are mm. in the face of awfulness. 
it's not that's a very eloquent way of putting mm. it, but just yeah, the sort of the how people will be brave for other people, um, in terrible situations or when they're put under pressure. You know mm. how you'll react, and obviously you hope you'll be one of the people that is brave and mm. does something amazing to save someone else. But it just did really, it's really gripping. I honestly, I've said this to you, but I could not put it down. I was like, try to fight. I did really <coughs> fight myself not to read it until. And because it's quite a short, snappy book as well. I mean, it's only sort of... Is it like it's about less, 300 pages. Less 300. Yeah. <clears throat> 300 it, pages. It's very... Um, I mean, it's atmospheric, it's dark, it raises lots of really important issues in sort of mod- the modern... this modern world that we live in. Mm. Um, and I found it really shocking in places, like there were a couple of places that it was really... You know, I'm not sure that gasp out loud is, <laughs> is their phrase, but yeah. Yeah, I really liked a lot of the psychological descriptions, and I particularly liked how the psychopath, where there was two, possibly three, wasn't there, gunmen in the end, but how Rose, and she comes in, and then we we see from her perspective how she's slowly putting it all together and trying to make a um, a valid assessment of the, yeah. of the psychopaths. We thought, well, before she can label them as a psychopath, and there comes a point when she says, they are a psychopath. So yeah, then so it's like, job is, now we know what danger we're really in. Yeah, so her job is as a police <clears throat> officer. She's like studied forensic psychology as well. And mm. her job is to, in as part of this kind of... They've obviously got this huge, massive team coming to manage this what is effectively a hostage situation. And um, her job is, yeah, to try and use whatever information they can get on the people who are, who are orchestrating it and make a psychological judgment and then use that to predict what they might do next. So as you say, it's really interesting because I'd never really considered that being a thing. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting. And even just like learning how the fact that you can't just use the term hostage, because actually in order for you to say they're hostages, wasn't it something along the lines of they had to well, be they have to in be a position... Well, they have to making a demand of you. You know, if, they, if they're just planning to kill everybody, then they're not actually hostages. Yeah. They're only hostages if you're making... If the, the person in the... What's the word? So Perpetrator? Some, yeah. Is making a demand of you in response in response to their safety. So at some point Rose said she didn't want to correct somebody because they'd used the word hostage because at no point were they really hostages, were they? Well, no, because they were never... Well, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, through the book, you don't understand if they are or they aren't and that's what's so compelling about it is if you don't... You get drip-fed what's happening. You find out as the people who are... And it's written over three hours, so the, the book only lasts a time period of three hours from when it starts to when it finishes. Mm. And... So within those three hours, you're finding out information as the people in the book are finding it out. So, you know, suddenly, oh my God, suddenly this has happened and now we know this extra piece of information. Mm. Or <coughs> suddenly someone who's been hacking a computer has found this information and they fed that back to the command yeah. centre and now they know this. And, and we also um, had the perspective from Beth, didn't we, who was Jamie's mum. So Jamie was missing. Yeah. So it's quite a lot of stuff from her. So that was quite tense. That's heart-rending, isn't it? Just that image of all of the parents of the kids who were in the school were, were taken... Um, to sort of leisure centre nearby and they're sitting there waiting for news and I found that bit really emotional as well just mm. sort of just sitting there especially going, there's like, that one scene where the guy was just playing with his toddler just in the hallway wasn't he just trying to distract them but you know you his face was like... just like completely like stone whereas the toddler's just like having yeah. a great time and like Beth's perspective is really interesting because you, it's that I want to go to my child obviously the police are handling it random hysterical mum is not going to help at all but she was having a really interesting inner dialogue wasn't she with yeah, her son with even her though son, he wasn't there it's just i just thought it was really <coughs> beautifully written i didn't really guess where it was going what i really loved about the fact that was it was um all mostly women 
star cast really wasn't it if you like yeah because we have the detective and then even when the um hostage hostage negotiator came along she was female as well a lot of female characters in there in the police force and then yeah rather than us kind of like you know the guys turn up and we're taking (laughs) over now it's a bit like yay no i thought it's genuinely brilliant like if you like sort of compelling thriller or or modern i even think sort of modern commentary as well i think there's an element of that in it Mm. and um and uh, obviously a sort of uh, general worldwide hatred for uh, uh, Trump and uh, Katie Hopkins, who also make a bit of a yeah, cameo appearance in there. <laughs> yeah, no, just absolutely brilliant. Really very, very good. We have one copy of Rosamund Lupton's Three Hours to give away for one lucky listener. All you need to do is go to our Instagram Instagram page (laughs) and private message us the words... Love is the answer. That's love is the answer. And we will pick one lucky winner. Absolutely. Good luck, everybody. So we're going to discuss Little Bandage Days by Cara Wilde. Wilder? Wilder. Wilder. Um, I'll read the blurb. Oh my gosh, this is actually quite long and it's quite dark in here. Okay, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Here's eyesight test. (laughs) What is a mother anyway when her children are asleep? What could she possibly be? She'd be doing a podcast. If a tree falls in a forest, it's like that, isn't it? A mother moves to Geneva with her husband and their two young children in their beautiful new rented apartment surrounded by their rented furniture and several Swiss instructions to maintain quiet. She finds herself totally isolated. Her husband's job means he is almost never present and her entire world is caring for her children, making sure they are happy and fed and comfortable and that they can be seen as the happy, well-fed, comfortable family they should be. Everything is perfect. But of course it's not. The isolation, the sleeplessness and the oppressive demands of two little ones are getting to Erica. She has never been so alone and once the children are asleep, there are just too many hours to fill until morning and there is something coming to get her. It says, for readers of Lullaby and Days of Abandonment, Kyra Wilder's Little Bandage Days is a painfully claustrophobic story about a woman's descent into madness. So I've read Lullaby. Have you read Lullaby? No. It's... um. Oh, yeah, so I sort of had that in the back of my mind, thinking, is it going to end up with something? I mean, the ending is mildly sort of similar. Similar, I do. I mean, it's interesting, actually, because that when you read the back of that, having read it now, I realised that I didn't know her name was Erica. No, well, because they don't say they it's don't just... they don't mention her name at all. She's just M. The husband's M, she's E, and the kids are... But everyone's named by letters, so nobody gets a full it's name. It's the kid E as well, isn't it? I think so. The kid, The girl is E, and the boy is B. E, yeah. But what's so weird about that is it really does like give you a sense of detachment from them. Oh. Um, so you do such... really feel like a voyeur, don't you? Like you're just watching yeah. this. And it does feel like, yeah, that kind of uncomfortable, claustrophobic feeling of watching someone just slowly lose their mind and be being really unsure of... It's like that unreliable narrator thing, isn't it? Like being really unsure of what's actually happening. Because as it goes on, it becomes clear that her perception of how life is isn't necessarily how it actually looks from the outside to other like how it actually is mm. like if someone actually walked through the door to their apartment and saw what it was like it wouldn't necessarily be how she sees it in her head that kind of delusion that's that's growing in her throughout the book she seems to be like such a wonderful mother <clears throat> in what she does with the children day to day just the escapism yeah, that she's she manages to completely immerse herself in those in that motherhood role of 
of the play, basically, which is what all kids want, isn't it? But then as I but read it's... it, I've got more and more was thinking how she feels that that's what she's doing for her children. Is that actually what her, like, what's the children's perception like? Yeah. So more and more as it went on, I felt like, or maybe I she's sort of she's... thinking, oh, the children are loving this. Yeah. I'm, doing, I'm, managing, I'm managing to spin this situation into something magical for them. Yeah, and actually the children tricking, might be really frightened or unnerved. Tricking them into thinking, okay, it's another day to stay in the house when they need to go outside. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was completely on board with all of it, sort of basically up until the end. And it just read so fast, didn't it? Because the sentences were very, very short and snappy. Yeah, you did race through it. I mean, it was all from her point, all it's sort of in her, almost like in a train of thought, in a, in a, in a monologue. Um, so you do get that. Yeah, you're constantly... It's quite quick to, to go and you get dragged along with it. You're constantly um, in her perspective, aren't you, for the, for the whole thing. And it just, I just found the end frustrating, really, because... To me, it was firstly inconclusive. I didn't really understand what had happened at the end or what was happening. Yeah, because I didn't understand that because there's another narrative that runs through, isn't there? Yeah, so there's obviously there's her, and it's clear that this is, she's the main character, Erica. Um, and then there's also another perspective of a woman who appears to be in some kind of mental institution. Mm. It's never clear if that's actually her or if that's someone else. Mm. Like there was a point where I was thinking, well, maybe that's her. Um, because she makes reference to other people, doesn't she? There's like a crazy lady yeah. that she sees outside <clears throat> by the bins, and I, and there's another woman she, there's another mum she sees in the park who she has like sort of perspective or a perception of, and I it's wasn't clear who that woman who is who was in the the mental institution was any one of those three mm. women, or then it occurred to me maybe it's the child grown up, maybe it's her daughter grown up. I, you know, mm. and what frustrated me is that that was really um, intriguing. Like I was really intrigued by that point of view coming into it um halfway through or midway through and then then it just didn't really resolve and I found that lack of resolution really frustrating um it feels like it's a one real of those shame books because that... it's so well written in terms of like the increasing discomfort of watching someone or reading someone slowly lose their grip or I mean I could completely relate to it couldn't you <laughs> yeah, definitely in that sense although I did also feel a little bit like someone going as slowly and she's I don't know I was a bit worried a little bit about the kind of link between motherhood and that um real serious mental health issues where I do think that obviously mum there's a huge issue around motherhood and postnatal depression and all mm. these kind of <clears throat> yeah especially because she was but... quite a new mum again wasn't she the baby was obviously yeah about and then she's gone to um then so they've also moved they haven't they so she's I think they're they are American and they've moved to Geneva. To Geneva, and so she's in a completely different place where she doesn't speak the language, and so she's really, really isolated. Yeah, I know what that feels like being oh, in another country and trying to even just ask for a coffee, and you think yeah. you've got it nailed, and everyone's looking at you like, "What?" And it's just really <laughs> casual things that you don't you take for granted, like you know, you're right. We might walk down to the shop and buy in the village and buy something, and you might bump into somebody you know and have a chat, or you'll chat to the lady serving you, or you know, any of these things where if you don't speak the language. You don't get that interaction. And I was with angry anyone. with them. I was angry with her husband because yeah. I thought, this how can you just thing, keep like... disappearing and not coming home for nights at a time? And he just, there were some nights where he just didn't even come home. And why would she not text him just to say, where are you? And there was not that sort of communication, was it? It was just like she just accepted that really... he wasn't going to come home. And Yeah, I felt so frustrated on her behalf. Like, why is no one helping her? Like, why has no one seen that she needs help? She clearly needs help. Because there was again, points when unclear, he looked at like... her, didn't he? But then again, it's like it's written really cleverly because it's unclear how good a front she's putting on. 
So it's quite possible that he hasn't noticed anything's wrong because... There's a couple of times when he sort of looked, when she said that he looked at her. And there's times when she thought, now is my chance to say something, but she just didn't, did she? Yeah. Which is obviously part of the the illness or the madness or... I mean, it was just a very... It was a very clever book and it was very... Really cleverly written and very engaging and atmospheric, but I just found the ending to be personally frustrating but I don't know if that's an issue that other people yeah because there was a character that runs through the the novel and then she sort of pops up at the end doesn't she the yeah there's an incident that happens and then the police come along and they show her a picture of this character and say have you seen her and it's this character that she keeps seeing in the park I know but then that to me that character (coughs) was like I was almost wondering at one point is that and maybe this book is designed to create this level of uncertainty in which case it's done very well um but was that her because there was a point at which I was thinking, is she yeah. almost seeing herself from an external yeah. perspective? Um, but didn't she have two, she, when she she had two a, children as well, didn't she? Yeah. And then there was also the woman she saw in the purple coat who was sort of, who they were worried had done something and mm. who was around. And I was like, well, maybe and that's Why would they be her. showing her a picture of herself? I don't know. So this is wouldn't... what I found this whole thing. It's almost like an A-level book, isn't it? We need notes. Yeah, I need, I need to actually... Well, normally, I hate those kind of notes. Where it's like, <laughs> they also intended this. But this actually, with this, I could mm. use a guide mm. on what was actually intended because I, I get the impression that it's really cleverly done I just I feel like I've missed something and I to a certain extent it might well be me like I'm quite I was quite December brained by the time I was reading it yeah so I almost did you'd like, read too many fluffy Christmas books yeah and I'll, you know, you know like by the time you get into the Christmas term your brain is just gone to breathe haywire with her. yeah <laughs> and I was thinking I don't know if is, this is if it's genuinely not conclusive or if I have just missed a massive clue and that's why I have no idea what's happened. No, I didn't either. And, and I saw your post that you put out after you'd read it. And I was like, oh, come on, really? I'm going to totally get this. Because it's <laughs> all making perfect sense to me. And then it was just like, yeah. what? I mean, it was only, and it was only right at the end that I found that frustrating. And again, it might be, I mean, I have to say I do prefer books that have um, clear resolutions. Whereas I know lots of people do actually really enjoy a book that has a very open ended. Oh, I don't mind that. But this was just for too, me, I find that there was too many annoying. things that didn't tie up at the end. You know, we don't know what exact I mean, I don't mind not knowing exactly what happened in the final few scenes where they yeah. have to vacate the house because it's like, well, I just mean obvious I think I was... can see other people enjoying it and maybe not finding that as frustrating as we found it necessarily. But don't understand when there's there's a whole sort of um second narrative that's running through and then that isn't Resolved. Yeah, that lack of resolution for that narrative was was frustrating. But I mean, I would definitely read something that she'd write again in the future because it was really mm. well written, really well crafted, and that kind of the um. I, do, I thought it was clever the way it's done in terms of the yeah, it really dehumanizes, but almost like yeah, detaches you from everybody else in the story, but the yeah. narrator. Oh yeah, I was completely no in her head. Was, re- was real to you. I was completely in her head, and there was moments when I thought, oh my god, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, because there's been moments like that. Yeah, where you us, do you think, you am I feel... actually losing my mind? Or what, you know, it's, it is, like, motherhood is very intense The long days, way. I think it's the long days, isn't it? And then she knows when she's up several times in the night with the baby, and then it's like she's, there was times when she would just fall asleep by a door. You know? Yeah, and, you know, we've been there, like, we, there was a period of time when I had two, both kids on my own, and, and my husband was away for three, three days a week, and that's nothing like as much as she was dealing with, and obviously I live in a country where I speak the language and have and had friends to, to connect with, but even that, at the end of three days, sometimes you mm. are a bit like, Oh, I think I'm actually losing my mind. Yeah. Well, you just yeah, it's it's difficult. It's very overwhelming and very intense parenting two young children. They seemed very good children, particularly though, on your they? own. They did seem very well behaved. Yeah, there wasn't very many instances of them having massive tantrums. Mm. 
which again is why I sort of was a bit like, I can't tell how much of this book is real and how much of this is her perception or how much of it is her like almost seeing herself from the outside, how she wants to look. Like it's very clear that she feels that she should be acting in a certain way and that's almost why she's doing it. Mm. Like I should be taking them to the park and letting them do this mm. and that's not necessarily, you know, you, you have to create this life that's the life that you're supposed to have with her high-powered husband and their perfect home life. And that the job he pressure. did that kept him away for that amount of time. Yeah, but also not worth it. Not just the, the issues that she was dealing with the children, but then she had all these doubts and insecurities about her husband as well. So it was just... Yeah, well, I suppose if your husband's been away for that amount of time for work, you know, if he's literally never seeing him, you are going to have doubts and insecurities because mm. you can't have a relationship with someone you never see. No. <clears throat> so, yeah. But yeah, I, like you, would definitely like to read something else. But if she could possibly... Maybe we can have a look on the internet and once the book's published, it's published yeah, on the so this is the thing, I 23rd went to... of Jan, but maybe once it's out, there might be some notes. Or maybe there's something out there now. Somebody's got some well, answers. I had a look through some of the Goodreads um, reviews, but lots of them, of course, the problem at this point is, because not very many people have read it, the reviews tend to be quite um, general to avoid giving too many spoilers, which mm. makes sense, and that's similar to what we do. But it does mean that I was a bit like... I was hoping more people would read it and then I can ask again. Well, maybe by the end of the month we can have a little scoot about on the internet and we might yeah, find... Yeah, see if anyone else has... I mean, if anyone else has read it or does read it, please feel free to get in touch and let yeah. me know what you think happens. <laughs> and I'll see if I can figure it out. The first time I saw you by Emma Cooper, I've only just started it because I'm very naughty and I really haven't had very much time. It's been so Christmas. Christmas. It's been quite time-consuming. too busy... Tackling the cheese board, <laughs> finishing off such the, an important job. Finishing off the bucks fizz and the uh, mince pie. So, um, Katie, you very kindly read it, and so I'll oh, read the blurb, it. and you can tell us what you thought. Lost six foot two Irish man who answers to the name Samuel McLaughlin. Oh, that sounds more Scottish than Irish, doesn't it? Are you doing this in an Irish accent? Irish has weak shins and enjoys show tunes. <laughs> Is that very Irish? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if found, please return to Sophie Williams. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> My Irish accents aren't the best, to be honest. I do need to work I'm getting on that. Before Sophie met Samuel, she saw the world in grey. Before Samuel met Sophie, he never believed in love at first sight. When they first meet, something tells them they are meant to be, but fate has other ideas. Now they've lost each other and can't see a way back, but they've already changed each other's lives in more ways than they ever could have expected. Do tell. Yeah, so this is a little bit difficult to talk about just because, as it, as it suggests, um, they change their lives in ways that could not be expected and I don't want to give away what those ways are, which makes it a little difficult to talk about in detail. Okay, moving on to the but, next um, section. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed it, I would say that. It was a lot. It gave a lot more than I originally anticipated. Um, it got a lot... It dealt with um, bigger issues than I necessarily anticipated from the sort of early intro stuff. And I think as I was reading the first kind of quarter of it maybe um I sort of had an idea of where I thought it was going and roughly what was going to happen between them and actually I was totally wrong um and it definitely went off in ways that were really surprising to me and unexpected and addressed issues that I wasn't anticipating and did it really really well really beautifully um from her kind of from Sophie's issues that are the reason that she says she sort of sees the world in grey so obviously gives you a bit of backstory to explain why she why she is that way and that was quite interesting surprising and um quite moving at times and then yeah what happens to samuel is also 
a really interesting story. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and I hope you will too. <laughs> yes, I think I will. And we've got an interview now, haven't we, with Emma Cooper, who wrote this. So yeah, I was lucky to chat to Emma. Yes. And so we will hear that interview now. big publicity drive i've had like um a soft launch so they soft launched the the e-back um ebook and the um and the audio and getting all the reviews and things in and then yeah so the big publicity drive um for my publishers is is this month so yeah it's been really exciting my publicist has done an amazing job i've been in some really good magazines i'm in hello magazine in a couple of weeks i'm so excited about that oh i say what what's what's yeah. that piece all about then it it will it will literally just be I think like a very small review but um yeah I've been um I've had some great stuff I mean um, women in home as well and yeah it's been really really exciting exciting time I know I didn't yes. know that Hello did a, a literature section neither did I <laughs> <laughs> but apparently I'm in it <laughs> looking forward to seeing it <laughs> look out for that um I'll have a little nose a little flick through in Tesco next time in there. <laughs> Um, so what, um, just tell me about your writing history. Have you always loved writing? Is that something that you've liked doing since you were a child or is it sort of, um, I think, made? yeah, I mean, I, I always loved reading as a child. Um, and I think that writing for me, I think it came a, a little bit later on. I mean, I remember writing my first short story when I was about 15. I was, I was a bit of a swine at school, if I'm honest. Um, but I really <laughs> loved writing this short story. And I handed it in and I was really, really proud of it. And the teacher sort of gave me this reluctant A minus and said it was very much the ilk of uh, teen magazines. So I think she thought I copied it. Oh. Um, yeah, but I didn't sort of write again then until, uh, I mean, my eldest child is 21 and I wrote when he was very little and I wrote a romantic comedy. And um, I knew nothing about the publishing industry at all at that stage. So I subbed it, got lots of rejections. And then I suppose, you know, life got in the way again, I think. Um, so, I, yeah, I was I was 40 when I actually started writing again properly and mm. really, really wanting to do it and thinking, actually, I think I'm quite good. Yeah. <laughs> And you've got a lovely age, haven't you? You're with Amanda. I have. Yeah, she's incredible. She's wonderful. I've, I've spoken to Amanda earlier on because um, I'm doing a launch tomorrow at um, our local college and I'm a bit nervous about it. And she said, well, what are you nervous about? And I said, well, what if I'm sick? And she, she just laughed and she said, well, if you are sick, make sure somebody <laughs> videos it because, you know, that'll go viral. <laughs> so, yeah, she's brilliant. She's, she's amazing, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, just talking about your kids and trying to juggle it all. You, mm. I read on your website that you wrote your first book, Songs of Us, by sticking to a routine of 500 words a day. So what was that yeah, I your did. life like then? Yeah, I mean, God, yeah, it was, it was busy. <laughs> it was hectic. Um, I mean, I met, um, I met my other half when I was 18. And we, so I settled into family life quite quickly. Um, I didn't go to uni and I don't really have any qualifications to speak of apart from a few dodgy GCSEs. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I was really, I was happy with my lot in life, but I think as I sort of, the kids got a little bit older and I felt myself wanting to do something more. I mean, I was a teaching assistant and I loved that job, but yeah, I just remember sort of thinking, you know, now, now's the time. So I was actually thinking about doing a teaching degree. Um, but then I had the idea for Melody, um, and the songs was, and I just couldn't get it out of, um, out of my head. So I thought to myself, I thought like the idea of writing a novel is huge, isn't it? You think, God, you know, especially with, with your children and, and working and just things sort of feels like a, 
an unachievable task, really. So I spoke to a friend of mine and she said, well, I just write 500 words a day. And I thought, well, that's that's not too much. I, I, you know, I think I can probably fit that in. So that's what I did. And I wrote um, 250 words a day in a very small school office uh, during my lunchtime. And then when I got back home from from work, um, I'd sort of, you know, give the kids some chocolate and some TV and then I'd write the other 250. And it, it sounds it sounds like nothing. But at the end of the week, I'd have a chapter and, you know, and then within sort of nine or 10 months, I had the, the first draft of a novel. So I think at the time it's, it was really important to set yourself achievable goals because um, otherwise, you know, it, it's so daunting thinking of all these thousands of words that you've got to write. I think that's a, a really solid piece of advice for any aspiring writers who are sort of feeling like they've got this enormous task ahead of them if they're thinking about writing a book to to sort of take take a leaf out of your book if you like (laughs) yeah I don't I don't honestly don't think I could have done it if I hadn't have just because you feel like you've achieved it as well like if if you sort of thought to yourself I've got to write you know I don't know 3,000 words a day that's a really really hard target to hit when you've got you know a busy life and young children so yeah it it just makes you feel better about yourself you hit those 500 words and you think yeah you know I've done it and it does work it really does yeah yeah it sounds like it does and it did so um (laughs) when you're sort of structuring writing a book do you have do you have a do you you come um to the to the task with a title in mind or a synopsis or is there a character that's particularly badgering you that you can't sort of shake off (laughs) yeah I mean my books are all character driven and I would love to to say to everybody yes I sit down and I plan everything and I know exactly what I'm going to write when I sit down Um, but that's not the case I'm I'm getting better I'm getting better at planning because I think that as you go further into your career you need to be able to plan and you need to be able to pitch to your your agent and your um your editor about your next book ideas but the songs of us um was just simply an idea so the only planning was that I, I kind of knew how it was going to end <laughs> um, and the rest yeah. of it was yeah just just by, by the seat of my pants so uh, yeah I, I, and my titles um I am terrible at titles in fact Amanda says that she thinks that it might have been one of the reasons why the songs was, was rejected originally because um my title was wrong I and mean, the songs was um is, is the title that we changed it to originally it was accidental timing and going back now she said you know that that doesn't say anything about the, your genre or your or the book or what you know what it, it contains it's not motive so um yeah I would love to say that uh, I just have a title in and I sit down and have a, a planning structure but no <laughs> you know, I, I, I just sort of follow what my characters tell me well I think having an end is certainly <laughs> yeah. go. I certainly that's how I like to write because I just think if I've got an end in mind then I've got you know a destination to get to yeah just yeah. kind of fit everything else in along the way that's um, right that's right so, so you've just completed your third book is that right yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm um, I'm just doing the last round of structural edits for um, book three. Um, that yeah, that, really that a dodgy title yet? <laughs> well actually this, this there's a little bit of a story to this one this is the only title that as soon as I said it my agent and the editor said yes it's perfect it's called the day my life began oh, um, wow. but yeah and I really love it and they both loved it as well and um but as the <laughs> as the book has progressed uh, we think that it might not fit the book anymore oh, so we're no. thinking about changing it so um it might still be the day my life began we're still just sort of thinking but yeah that's the one the one title I actually came up no. with uh, you'll be clicking onto it till the last second no don't let it go yeah <laughs> um do you have with um that busy life with all your children are there any peaceful or um quiet places in the house that you can go to for inspiration or do you get inspiration when you're walking around how do you sort of uh, um, plan your writing yeah, 
I get inspiration from from everywhere, but I um I'm, I'm lucky enough to write full time now, and my children are all you know at school and at university. So I write um in my lounge, and this is going to sound really really boring, <laughs> but I'm, I sit at my desk in my lounge. But before um I became a writer, we we were always sort of a, a low income family, and I didn't really have any matching furniture. I've never had <laughs> matching furniture in my lounge. So when I got my first deals with the Songs of Us, um the first thing I bought was a desk. Uh, which is actually where I'm, I'm sat now. And I actually, I'm happy to say my desk and my <laughs> dining table and everything match. Um, oh, so for me, <laughs> sitting at my desk, it's like, it's like a, it's where I feel most like a writer. It's, it's sort of like my, my place. So um, yeah, I, I, I sit at my desk. I, ha- I like light a nice candle and I put some classical music on and yeah, this is my spot. Oh, um, my and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty disciplined. I, I start, you know, as soon as the kids go to school and then, um, I pick them up and I come back and I, I do a little bit more. But um, when the kids are here, I put, I've got a set of noise counselling um, headphones. So <laughs> when I put those on, they kind of know that I'm working. But my youngest Mom! is <laughs> like, I can <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah my number my youngest is six and uh so I have to do a little bit of bartering with her so she's like just let me have the headphones on for half an hour you know I'll play with the lol dolls <laughs> oh, so I'm just imagining you in your matchy matchy sort of environment that, that does it for you how do you do it with your kids around how do you well it is tricky because I've only just got my my first book deal now I'm on my I'm just about to start my writing my third one my second one is out in March um my first one my first one was written a long time ago so mine was sort of about 10 years in the process and it just took me a long long time because my eldest is 10 so yeah yeah, it took me that long to to you know like you say life gets in the way of just just re-picking it up and going yeah another quick edit send it off to another agent and so I haven't sort of hit that um, point yet where it's like I'm a, I'm a kind of I feel like I'm, I guess we are though but you know you never feel like you are do you uh, full time writer <laughs> no. real proper no writer. never <laughs> um, but yeah just my littlest has started preschool now so there's there's a bit more time in the day a bit more time yeah just I went off on a writing retreat actually in September uh, oh, like, I'm going how for gorgeous. A week. <laughs> So I'm just I went off with Rachel Lucas and she cooked some delicious food um oh, uh, Rosie Curtis as well she writes us um, yeah so yeah she's lovely. um yeah great success at the minute yeah her new yeah. one's coming out is it a couple of weeks her is new next? one is out the telephone box tomorrow yeah oh is it oh yeah. I love the cover of that it looks gorgeous telephone box library I think it's called yeah yeah I just I literally just ordered it now I'm quite I'm really looking forward to that yeah. um so off on a little tangent there but um <laughs> So we're sniffing the pages, so we're all about sort of the tangible feel of a book. Do you prefer the tangible feel of a book, or are you a Kindle girl? Or do you know what? I'm a I'm a, a bit of everything girl. I think um, I've normally got three books on the go. I've normally got um, a paperback, uh, which often is a proof. Uh, at the minute, I'm just I've just started mixtape by Jane Sanderson. Um, oh, which right. is, yeah, I've seen yeah, which is yeah, it's brilliant so far. Um, and on my Kindle, I'm actually reading A Discovery of Witches, which I'm very, very late to the party with this one. But, you know, sometimes you want to read something a bit outside your genre and something completely different. And I fancied a bit of, you know, vampire oh, it's, obsession. Oh, is it? So that's a bit fantasy, is it? Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. And do you I, read, I read non-fiction or? Um, no, I don't tend to re- read non- non-fiction. Um, I don't really know why, actually. Maybe I should read myself. <laughs> um, you need a lot more time, I think. I've got a lot of non-fiction on my bookshelves that I keep looking at longingly. I must read that, but I just, you know, <laughs> it's just easier to pick up a, a, a novel. And it is. That is. 
do you um do you listen to many audiobooks because I've just started doing that as well and um, give the old eyes a rest you know when you've been yeah. writing all day I'd like to but my first experience of an audiobook was not successful um <laughs> I just didn't enjoy the way like the uh narrator sort of did yeah they are make or break it all of a sudden she went into this deep voice of another character's like oh what's going on there but I think it's just you know it's you just, I've just got to get used to it really but I, you know I'd like to certainly for car journeys I do listen to a lot of podcasts so I'm sure I could get on with a, an audiobook I know a lot of friends like to listen to them when they're falling asleep um and they set on a timer it goes off so they don't wake up and they're sort of halfway through the plot reveal <laughs> oh I didn't know you could set a timer that would be really helpful because I do tend, I do yeah. tend to doze up. I've just, have you, um, have you got an audio for yours? Have you listened to your own? Yes, yes, yes. How was that? Bit, I've listened to bits of it. Yeah, my husband listened to it on audio because he's not a huge fan of the, the book, the physical book. So he, yeah, he, the audio version, and yeah, he said it was good. He enjoyed it. So I've, I've sort of listened experience. to bits of it, but I haven't just, I just haven't got the time to sort of listen mm. to the entire thing because I've got so many other things that I want to listen to and read. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure I will get around to it one day. It's sat there on the shelf, so <laughs> on a long car journey one day, maybe. I'll stick yeah, it in. right, right, kids, come on. <laughs> I bet you'll like. Yeah, there'll be little bits of your own. I've I've just listened to the first time I saw you. It's got um uh, two narrators. I've got and and they've done such a brilliant job. There was because uh, it's a bit. It is weird when you listen to your own words through through sort of like an actor reading it. So, um, but there was one part, and I was like properly welled up, and I hadn't actually felt that emotional when uh-huh. I. Uh, to when I actually wrote it but, when, but listening to somebody else you know they put so much emotion behind it but I know exactly what you what you mean I think you, ha- you have to have a, a narrator that you you get on with <laughs> yeah <clears throat> no I'll definitely be giving it another bash at some point um so was there any particular books that really inspired you when you were growing up were you a bit of an Enid, Enid Blyton fan or oh, you know what I was I love uh, The Faraway Tree and I've read it to all of my children and I, I just think, yeah, I really loved uh, The Faraway Tree and um, The Twits by uh, Roald Dahl, my nan, bless her. <laughs> uh, she used to read <laughs> The Twits over and over again. I don't even think she needed to look at the pages anymore. She, oh. Yeah, I loved it. I think then as I sort of grew into a teenager, I, sort of, I, would, I loved epic romances. I was a bit, you know, like a woman of substance and, mm. and secretly I was a bit Jilly Cooper, but I, don't, I didn't tell my mom. <laughs> funny that I've heard that before (laughs) yeah my daughter's desperate to read my book and I mean there's nothing you know saucy or anything in it but you just sort of you just sort of think oh you know are they old enough to understand but it's like when we were kids we we read it and I guess if something didn't didn't fit we just sort of skimmed over it and we didn't really (laughs) think about it too much did we (laughs) now they can just google it and yeah (laughs) yeah that's right Um, so what, what sort of books are you reading at the moment? What do you like to read now? Um, I like a bit of everything, really, um, except horror. I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. Um, I've just read um, All About Us by Tom Ellen, which was a proof, and that's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous sort of Christmas romance. And I, I finished it Christmas Eve and the morning of Christmas Eve. And, oh, oh it's just gorgeous. It was like Bailey's in a mince pie in book form. Oh. It was just delicious. It was lovely. Um, uh, what else have I read? Um, oh, The Sight of You by Holly Miller. Have you heard anything about that? That's going to be oh, big yeah. this year, I think. Oh, I'm writing that down. Yeah, The Sight of You. It's about... Um, it's a killer concept. It's about a man who has dreams about the people he loves. And so, you know, it, it makes you question if you knew how your relationship was going to end, would you still choose love? It's um, it's beautifully written, really beautifully written. 
um yeah i think i think that's going to be a, quite a, a big one this year i think and yeah, yeah. like i said I'm, uh, where did that fall into is that a thriller or uh women no, women's fiction i'd say um yeah it, it's it is it's gorgeous um and yeah and like i said i'm, I'm enjoying the discovery of witches because it's just something nice to read yeah outside your genre i think sometimes oh. you become sort of saturated almost in your own little world <laughs> do you get sent quite a lot of women's fiction then because you write yeah I, do. I mean yeah and, and I'm really it's, I think it's one of the best parts of my job and I always feel really really humbled and privileged when when they come through the post um especially when they come with chocolate I had uh, Josie oh, Silver's God. new one yeah and I got chocolate as well it's brilliant oh, oh I got chocolate was that the one that you got with um Oh, no, it wasn't Josie Silver. I got a little uh, Christmas decoration with one of my recent Christmassy books. That was quite nice as well. Um, Has she got a new book out then, Josie Silver? She wrote... Yeah, it's uh, The Two Lives of Lydia Bird. It's brilliant. It's out in March, I think. I think it's... Yeah, Yeah, she's lovely. Um, I've met met up with Josie quite a few times. We've been out for lunch and she is really, really lovely. But yeah, that's definitely one. Her last book. Was that her first book? Her last last book? Was that her debut? Yeah, that was um, one of the first books that we uh, recorded on the podcast, that we discussed on the podcast when oh, it began last year. So, yeah. Um, well, great. Well, thanks ever so much for talking to me. And oh, have you got any special plans for tomorrow? I know you said you got a, you've had a soft launch already. So will, is, will there be champagne in the morning or is it just kind of business? <laughs> well, I'd love to say yes, there'll be champagne in the morning. No, because I'm doing um, my launch at a local college and um, I've run a writing competition with some of the students there. So it's been judged by myself, uh, Amanda, my agent, and one of my editors. So we've shortlisted that. So I'm really looking forward to letting the students know who who has won that competition. Oh, and lovely. Yeah, it's really lovely. And the um, uh, the, voice, the media department of the of the college as well, the media students, have made me a book trailer, um, a video oh, trailer. So yeah, which is really I'm really really excited to see. So that's going to be premiering. And apparently the uh, the catering department are doing a scone off. <laughs> scone depending on where you come from um so yeah I'm I'm really really excited so I'll be spending my my uh, my afternoon in in the college and hopefully inspiring some some new uh, new writers and now we're into the section entitled what Katie read next did you have much time for reading over Christmas or was it um, not as much as I normally would, and since we last recorded, the majority of what I've read has been Christmas books. Mm. So between we re- between our last recording and actual Christmas, all I did was chain read Christmas books, oh, and it was jealous. lush. Oh yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. I read um, two. I read one Christmas book. That was. I it. loved it so much. I'm trying to think of the ones I enjoyed the best. Um, what I really like about reading Christmas books, actually, this is the thing that occurred to me, is that for at least two of the books I read, I found I discovered mid-reading them or as I started them that they were actually sequels to other books that I had read sort of set in the summertime oh. and it's so nice because you get to like revisit characters that had had the happy oh, really? ending or if not sort of direct sequels but they're set in the same place so okay. they still feature the same characters as before and the same sort of cast as characters but a different person is like the main focus if that makes sense yeah so like I read A Perfect Cornish Christmas by Philippa Ashley hmm. and that was um a follow-up to what I think is called Oh, a perfect Cornish summer, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm just guessing now. Anyway, uh, it's a follow-up to, I can look it up, oh. A Perfect Cornish Summer. Good remembering from me. Um, but it was nice because I hadn't actually made that connection when I bought the book on Kindle. And then um, as I started reading it, I was like, oh, I know these characters. And it was so yeah. lovely. It's just like going back on meeting friends that you met on holiday and having like a really lush time with them and yeah. snuggling down at Christmas. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, and then the other, the only thing I read, so I got this book for Christmas, The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern, which was, yeah, as I already said, my top read of 2019, mm. coming in late to uh, top the field. And um, so I read that after, after Christmas, and it's, it's quite a big book. So, um, And I think, as I said already, you have to love The Night Circus mm. because it's that really like dreamy quality that it's got. Um, the idea is that there's this um, whole world um, that exists beneath our feet and it's like a, it's the starless sea and it's this giant, it's just this whole world that's dedicated to books and stories and, and why would I not like this? Well, I'm going to love this. Yeah, this is exactly it. Like, it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And it's so dreamy and fantastical. And um, it, I, as I was reading it, I definitely felt that... So it sort of intersperses the actual story um, of the main character, whose name is Zachary, um, with excerpts from a book that he has found in a library in the real world um, and is reading. And so for a long time, those kind of excerpts feel like completely random sort of fragments or snippets of fairy stories. Um, and as the book goes on, you start to see how it all weaves together and how the stories are actually telling the stories, the sort of fairy tale stories are telling the stories of characters that you've met in the book mm. um, in a really interesting way. And I just, for me, it's hard to put into words really why I loved it because it's more about the feel of it and the, the, the clear love of stories. It's like a, it's just a love letter to books and reading and stories and the kind of, um, you know, escaping into a fantastical world or into a different, you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast must like books. And so the idea of there being magical doorways that can appear as you're in your life and then you go through them and suddenly you're in this incredible world of full of stories and um where there are books and this whole place is just dedicated to them it's just yeah exactly why would you not like that mm. who doesn't want to go there everyone's going to read this and just think that's my dream <laughs> i just want to find a door and it has that feeling of it that you get from can you lock that door to keep toddlers out <laughs> <laughs> god i hope so <laughs> um it has that feeling that i had when I read like the Chronicles of Narnia when I was a child and you know Harry Potter as well mm. that you know you want to go and sit at the back of the wardrobe see if you can fall through mm. you want to go to platform nine and three quarters and run yourself at that wall and just check um and it has that same sense of like I just want a door to appear to me I mm. want it to be real um and from that perspective I guess it's like a fairy story or that kind of you know for adults because it's very much not it's definitely not a children's book in the way that the Chronicles of Narnia or Harry Potter are it's definitely a book for adults, but it's got that same quality, I think, is very much there for people who grew up loving reading. And what was the weight like between A Night Circus and this book? Once you'd finished The Night Circus, did you think, I really need to read something by this person again? Or was yeah, there it's this, long. It's was long. there this hype coming up, leading up to this book? Definitely, but it's a long time. Because when was The <coughs> Night Circus published? I can't even remember, but it's a long, it's a long, I know it's a long... It's about 2009 or something. I know it's been a long wait. Because um, when I first read The Night Circus, I definitely went away from it and was like, right, what else has she written? I absolutely need to read everything she's written. I love it. Um, and then she hadn't written anything else because that was her debut novel. And then, yeah, so published 2011, her first book, and then her second one published in 2019. So it's a big break. And there definitely was. I mean, this is, I think, if we went back and listened to um, a podcast that we recorded this time last year, and we were talking about things we were looking forward to in 2019, that was on my list. Oh, was it? And um, 
I think anyone who's read The Night Circus and loved it had this as flagged as a 2019 book mm. to read. And it was one of, it was the only book. Like, I have a long list of books I want to read. Um, and it was the only book that I was 100% wanted for Christmas. It was on the top of every list. I was I had said it. I need to get it on Christmas Day. And if I don't, so I'll have to go out on Boxing Day and buy it myself. Who was the giver of the book? Uh, well, it was in my stocking, so Father Christmas. Was it? Gosh, <laughs> yeah. how did it squeeze into your stocking? Yeah, it did take up, it take up, <laughs> took up the vast amount of my stocking, but that's fine, that's what I wanted. Um, and a Satsuma at the bottom. Yeah, well, because weirdly this year, or well, not weirdly, but I didn't get very many books for Christmas. I actually only got two. I had one. Yeah, I got two books for Christmas, actually. But what I did get for Christmas is um, in total... Not another book spa. No, but in total, £95 worth of book tokens. Oh, for goodness sake. So enough. Pe- so many people obviously wanted to buy me a book, but didn't want to guess what book Somebody's I wanted. Somebody's going or... to be having a party in Waterstones. Oh my god! I'm so excited. I'm just waiting for all my children to be in childcare, <laughs> so I can go to Waterstones on my own and then spend like three hours choosing all the books that I want. I'm so Will you excited. buy them all at once or? You know, that's why I was wondering. There's Imagine so coming home with £95 worth of books. Well, that's probably only about nine or so books. No, it's anyway, not a lot of books, though, because normally when you're in a bookshop, you sort of buy, well, I don't know what other people are like, but um, you go in for one book. You come out with maybe four. Mm. But you don't come out with eight or nine, because that would be crossing some kind of line. Um, <laughs> but now I actually can. I don't yeah. know, because part of me wants to draw <laughs> out the pleasure of it. Like, well, I think go maybe... to a bookshop and buy a book um, every, I don't know, week until I run out yeah. of money and part of me just wants to go and absolutely splurge it so I don't know what I'll do mm. but it's lovely because I actually lots of people have said this to me before like so one of the people who got me a book taken was my mother-in-law um and he was given them me them before but has always said oh, I feel so guilty because I feel like I'm not getting you a proper present I know why so, do people no, think that book takens are the best gift ever because it's the gift of guilt-free book shopping mm. And I buy books anyway, but it's so nice to not have to be mm. like, oh, can I justify it? Oh, I shouldn't really. It's mm. actually like going to the bookshop and choose anything you want. Yes, as you said, our two new books that we will be reading for the next one. So we've got Six Wicked Reasons by Joe Spain. Mm. Sorry, um, we've got. A... <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me something more about well, it. Well, I can, but I don't know if I. No, I'll let's not do that. Week we'll read we the blurb. It, so I don't right. want to blurb it for you now. I've forgotten what we're doing. It's been like you know a few it's been weeks. Been a month, and we've all drank a lot of wine. <laughs> um, the Memory Wood by Sam Lloyd. I'm really excited about both of these because one is a kind of spooky, almost like what am I sort of thinking? Um, Changeling that we read back oh, okay. in back yeah. at the beginning Again. of the year. I'm thinking maybe that sort of vibes. Be up in up in my toxicity, yeah. And six wicked reasons is a bit of a psychological thriller. Yeah, hottest name in psychological thrillers. It says at the top of this, Agatha Christie-esque setting. Yeah, I'm very excited. So yeah, join us next time um, to hear hear what what we thought of those, and don't forget to run away and enter the competition Mm. to win Rosamund Lupton's three hours. Yes. See you next time. See you next time.